Hello, welcome to this episode of Demystified as we explore home cooking in a modern world. I'm here with my friend Paul. Hey Paul. Hello Linda. And I'm Linda. How are you going? Alright, we're both a bit... We're both a bit injured. Yeah, injured. Yeah. We're both uh, feeling the pangs, well, for, I know for me I think it's old age, but uh, but yeah, we haven't, we haven't been up to our best sort of this week and last week, have we? Haven't been in the best form, no, but... We push on. And uh, I'm blaming my uh, injury, even though it wasn't in my writing hand, to, for the uh, reason why I didn't give you my recipe and make some white chocolate chip cookies. Yet. But failing that, I do have... Uh, oh, I have some news. The uh, zucchini slice. Oh, yes. Of course. Yes, yes. we need to discuss that. Well, because some of that got sent home as a little I snack starter for the, some guests. The treat of the yogurt was fantastic. That was really good. The yogurt and zucchini, tzatziki, was great. Yeah. And it was Shu's first time having a zucchini slice, and she liked it. We had it cold before our dinner. And Doug, he said, uh, now you tell Paul that uh, it wasn't bad. No, no, it wasn't too, it wasn't too bad for a first attempt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doug's just reduced his chances of me cooking him a pork roast again, but... I, don't, I, I can never tell when he's being serious or when he's being sarcastic. You can't? No, it's I can't. It's just a shoe that's always sarcastic. Okay, right. okay. Good. Um, yeah. But no, it was really, it was great. We had it hot the next day as well, the leftover bits. So it was really good. Oh, good. Excellent. And um, Yeah, we haven't gone into the uh, chocolate No, not yet, but thing, I do but have... I'll whip them up tomorrow if you can whip up. I will get. I will send you the recipe. And we won't, we'll do it in the reverse, actually. There's, there's an idea. Okay. So I'll make them off the back of your recipe. Okay. And we'll try mine, and then we'll. You can do yours over the weekend yeah. and bring something next week. And okay. We'll, we'll try yours. That's a plan. I yeah. like it. But I do have something to talk to you about. I have. Um, I don't know why, but I've been on a bread buying binge lately at uh, for for work. And so now I find myself with some really nice sort of uh, rye. Yep. And I find myself with some just ordinary sort of white sliced. Yeah. And so I thought I'd ask you about the uh, ever favourite bread and butter pudding. Yes. Have we done one? You did one very early days of cooking with steam and you used leftover brioche. Yeah, brioche. Yeah. Which was super nice. But I thought, given that I have... A bungload of uh, white bread slices yep. and a pretty full loaf of rye. I don't know why I I don't I don't eat that much bread, so it was kind of weird. I th- well, that's a funny thing actually, because bread's a big thing in my house. Big big thing. We we are bread consumers. Um, so maybe rather than just focusing on bread and butter puddings, maybe what we can talk about is what to do with bread other than have a sandwich. Yes. Yes. Other than have a sandwich. Okay, well, I thought bread and butter puddings would be well, a, a go-to for a lot of it, but yeah. I'm happy to explore other options. Well, bread and butter, you can use any bread, right? So I have I have done, and not even bread. So I've done bread and butter pudding with croissants, <gasps> with danishes, with almond croissants, with chocolate croissants, with obviously bread, all different types of bread, um... What else? Yeah, well, yeah. French toast, 
of varying different. That's one of my little fella's favourite things. It's French toast with all manner of different sorts of breads. Uh, we plan on for Easter this year, and I might actually make this a recipe because um, my little fella is quite specific. And if anyone out there that lives in Australia will know, find it as appalling as I do, but whatever. I think it was about eight days after Christmas, hot cross buns were on the shelves. Yes. In, in oh, various were. supermarkets they and stuff were. like that. Um, they were. So he likes hot cross buns, but he's very specific about them. He's specific about the size of them. So he doesn't like super big. Um, and depending on his mood, fruit or fruitless. He certainly will go in for the chocolate chip, hot cross bun. Uh, so I have done bread and butter puddings with hot cross buns as well. But what I thought because I, he loves French toast, I thought I might make a hot cross bun loaf and then slice it and turn that into French toast. It's like the ultimate indulgence for him, right? It'd be like the thing. And you put a superhero on top yeah, well, somehow. Yeah, stick Thor on top yeah, of it. Yeah, like, be, yeah. that'd be a way. Um, yeah. So we might do that as a recipe for this Easter, actually. We'll do a hot cross bun loaf. So rather than... Wow. While it's nice to get a hot cross bun and cut it in half and stick it under the grill and da 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 I was actually thinking, well, in practicality terms, most people, I think, and I'm making assumptions here, but most people with hot cross buns sort of will generally have them toasted somehow or way. Like, isn't it easier to have a slice? of hot cross bun rather than a roll that doesn't sit flat. You never get it toasted evenly. Something that you could put in the toaster. In essence, it's still a hot cross bun. The ingredient would be the same. It's just the shape of it is different and you make a slice of it. So rather than a hot cross bun, we will make a hot cross loaf. Okay. It doesn't sound appealing. No, I think no, I need I'm, to come I'm, up with a different name. I'm giving but anyway. you the look. No, no, I'm giving you the look because I love hot cross buns. For the Easter period, I don't have them any other time because yeah, not at all. it's um, not that I don't love them. It's the quantity of butter that you put on them. Yeah. You can really only have a very short period of a year yeah. before you uh, really broach heart attack material. Yeah. But uh, I love that when you wrap them up, put them in the oven on a low temp, in tin, wrap them in uh, tin foil aluminium wrap. And then you put them in the oven and then you have that lovely, warm, cinnamony smell coming out. This is easy for someone who... Yeah, I understand that, right? But you've gone through the process there of lighting the oven, wrapping them in foil, and you don't have a six-year-old yelling at you, demanding it, like, directly. Like, I want it now. I don't want to wait for the oven process thing to happen. So... You've never tried cooking for Dougie in the morning, have you? In your, like... You know, no, I know. I know. We have, as I said, we ooze into the world. We ooze into the weekend. That's right. We have a very different uh, flop. But it's something that we love is yeah. that sort of anticipation. Anyway, sorry, we're getting off topic. Sorry. Things to do with bread. So, yes, bread and butter pudding is, is obviously one. Uh, one that, talking oh, about bread and butter pudding, mm. what's a standard kind of mix? What do you do? Oh, God. Well, sort I of, couldn't give quantities. No, no, but just to sort of a, make a custard. Yeah, you make a custard. Um, eggs, sugar, sometimes cream, cream. and milk. Mm-hmm. Or, or I haven't seen that many with just cream. Maybe there are. Um, so I always, I always have done cream and milk. I find cream by itself can be 
the chances of it splitting uh, okay. are a bit higher. So I always add a little bit of milk from memory. I can't remember some wine. Um, orange zest is a must, I think. And obviously fruit. People do different fruit. But the trick with the bread and butter pudding is to actually butter the bread. See? That's why... You always have something that I hadn't even thought of. That's why croissants work, right? Because they're loaded with butter already. But a bread and butter pudding doesn't work without the butter. So the idea being is that you butter the bread and sort of... Both sides, one side? Both. I would go both sides. And you sort of concertina layer it into a dish, pour over the custard. And the other thing with it is let it soak before you bake it. So you want to get that custard soaked into the uh, bread... You know, because bread works like a sponge in this mm-hmm. scenario. Uh, so let it soak in. Give it a good, like, 20 minutes, half an hour of letting it soak in because you don't want too much sort of custard floating on the surface because you're just going to end up with bread and custard as a separate sort of enti- separate okay. entities to each other. So butter the bread, let which it give, so- let yes. it soak, and then, and then bake soak, it. And then bake. Yeah. Okay, and... Just sprinkle fruit over the top. Or yeah, the fruit can be can be fruit. Can be um, I often do fresh fruit. Blueberries are good. Mm-hmm. Um, some it depends what you like. A lot of people avoid fruits that bleed a lot. So blackberries, raspberries. No, oh, yeah. some people stay away from that. I don't care. It's a very hard thing to make look beautiful uh, unless you chill it, press it, cut it, and give it a grill and some clarified butter in a pan or whatever okay. so you could do that with your bread and butter pudding if you're trying to sort of you know make a schmancy dessert out of it um, you can certainly cook it ahead of time stick a couple of you know tins or something on top of it and a chopping board and press it so it comes nice and flat and even and then portion it out when it's cold and then if you pan fry it just in a bit of clarified butter so get some colour on the outside with a scoop of ice cream and generally like a anglaise or something like that so cream sauce Mm -hmm. to go with it not that you really need it because it's you know gilding the lily a little bit but nonetheless um that's a way to do sort of you know a leveled up bread and butter pudding but bread and butter pudding is um, a rustic dish i would i think is a nice term it's probably not you know at the moment when it's quite hot around australia what's clarified butter well it's butter with the milk solids removed okay so it's basically the way to do it is you heat butter gently over a sort of medium to lowish heat and what you'll find is it goes through different processes and processes and stages and what will eventually happen is the milk solids will separate from the fat so the fat's the butter Uh, the milk solids will eventually sink um, and you can either pour it off very gently trying not to pour anything and you can see the milk solids right they're white uh, you can pour it off very gently. And what happens with clarified butter when you use it is that it won't colour up and uh, not burn essentially, but get golden brown colour on things as quick, but it gives you the flavour of butter because the milk solids have been taken away from it. Okay. Thanks. So, yeah. Uh, a version of clarified butter is ghee, which a lot of Indians use. Mm-hmm. It's it, And it's easily sourced. Yeah, you can do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So my, if you, I quite often, I like brown butter, as you know, like mm. get that nice nutty mm. brown flavour. Well, the way that that happens is, is through that same clarification, well, separation process of milk solids and fat. Um, 
what eventually happens is those milk solids sink to the bottom and then start catching on the bottom of the pan and that's what gets that golden brown nutty flavour and colour through the butter. And that, that's the part of it. So if you want to make clarified butter, you don't take it as far, you don't cook it as long and you just separate them out. Clarified butter is a really good thing to have on hand. Like great for fish sauces, everything. And you could certainly use like what would be nice is if you made some brown butter, uh, chilled it until it was, you know, spreadable temperature and then use that in your bread and butter pudding. Oh, so now we're talking. Yeah, get some brown butter, yeah. some nice bread. Yeah. Lay that over the top um, and then make your custard. I think orange zest is a thing with bread and butter pudding. I, always for me, it's always been orange. I don't know why. Maybe it's a traditional thing. But I think orange mm. zest is a, okay. a must-have in bread or some sort of citrus zest. I think you need a little bit of something because it's kind of a heavy-duty sort of... Yeah. I don't know if it's British. I think it, I have a feeling it might be. But good way to use your leftover bread. Yes. Um, another one which I do often is make croutons. Oh, yes. Yeah. There you are. So you can have them with the crust, without the crust. Uh, there are various ways you can make croutons. You can make them in a fry pan, of course. Um, just toss them in some olive oil. So not extra virgin, but just some olive oil with salt. I always add a sprig of thyme and a clove of crushed garlic, like with the skin on and everything. Uh, and just over a medium heat, just toss them in the pan until they're really dry and crispy. Um, of course, you can do the same thing in the oven. Yep. Like a moderate oven. Don't need any steam in this scenario. Uh, and just cook them until they get nice and crispy and crunchy. And they can be used for like a million things. A favourite in my house is panzanella salad, tomatoes, dry bread. It's I think the salad was invented to use day-old bread anyway. Um, and then, of course, you can make your own breadcrumbs. So panko breadcrumbs are very similar as far as the process goes of making croutons. So that Japanese coarse, oh, yeah, super yeah. crispy panko breadcrumbs. Obviously, they're not, they're not blended to the degree that most breadcrumbs are, but the drying process with a little bit of oil and stuff like that, that's how you make your own panko at home. But yeah, okay. uh, yeah, but I don't, yeah, I'm probably getting off track. But. No, no, it's all uses for bread. Yeah. So croutons would be handy. How long do they keep normally? Um, I, like two or three days. So quite often what you can do, and you need to be a little bit like, smart about this so um i don't want to give anyone like a bad idea but people use what i'm about to talk about for food often you know when you buy a pair of shoes and you've got the little sachets inside oh, yeah. the shoes yeah. to draw moisture it's called they're called silicon beads mm -hmm. right you can actually buy them in commercial quantities um i keep those aside and so what I do is when I make something crispy, croutons, uh, wafers, anything that I want to make ahead of time that I want to stay crisp. You make wafers? Well, for work, you know, for functions and work and stuff. Oh, lordy. Um, anything that I want to stay, parmesan crisps, um, any, anything that's got crisp that I want to keep crisp, the problem is, is the humidity and everything goes soggy. If you just take a sealable container of some sort put your little silicon bead sachets in like one or two sachets and put a sheet of baking paper and then put your item in put the lid on it'll stay crispy like two or three times as long 
Uh, so I can keep my croutons for like a week plus just by keeping those little sachets of silicon. Now, eventually they will get so much humidity and draw so much moisture. So they draw the moisture away from the environment, which is why they put them in shoes, handbags, mm. all the rest of it. Okay. Uh, you'll find them in packets of nori too. So when you buy nori sheets, seaweed sheets, um, any dr- a lot of dry ingredients that aren't fully vacuum sealed, uh, you'll often find those. Now, eventually they will get to a stage where they no longer work. What you can do, and this is where it takes some caution and level of being careful, because you don't want to consume them, right? They're dangerous. Um, what you can do is actually take the beads out of the sachet, put them in a fry pan and stick the fry pan in the oven and dry the beads out. Um, and so then you're left with these whole you know, container of beads uh, and then you can use them in exactly the same way. You just put in some loose beads into a airtight container, put some baking paper over the top of them. I just put baking paper over the top of them so they don't get mixed in with the food. Put my crispy things on top, stick the lid on top, happy days, and you can use them forever. Or you can just go and encourage the good lady M to go and buy some more shoes. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, but the funny thing is, is those you end up with those things all the I time, know, right? I'm, yeah. They're the first things I normally throw away. So in, com- in, commercial, in commercial kitchens, they're quite often coloured. So you'll see, and generally they're very bright blue. Uh, so, because okay. there's no foods that are naturally blue. So it, that's how, you know. Um, but that's a really good way of keeping things crisp for a long period of time. You okay. keep those little silicon, I think they're called desiccates, but they're silicon beads. Keep those and just stockpile them. And then when you make something crispy, if you want to do some, you know, croutons and you're having a dinner party and you just want to get it done a day and a half ahead. Because if you do croutons a day ahead and stick them in an airtight container, they will be soggy the next day. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. It's just the humidity. You're just fighting against humidity. So use well, that's those a good little... Tip. That's a really good tip. Yeah. Okay. Those little silicon beads are really good. And they're generally, I mean, yeah, you're buying shoes and handbags and stuff, but nori sheets or whatever, they're generally free. So just keep them stockpile them but just keep them away from children and you don't want to eat them right they're dangerous yeah so but yeah there's another sort of thing with your bread Mm -hmm. croutons whatever you're making anything that you want crisp okay I never knew that yeah well there you go learn something new every day do do you (laughs) (laughs) but yeah leftover bread it's you know it's got a million uses million uses and don't be get too caught up about crust or not crust or whatever doesn't matter so it's not true that if you eat the crust your hair goes curly i did have and i i my understanding is and my childhood memories i did eat crust and for a very long period of now i have no hair now but for a very long period of time as a child i had full blonde ringlets like massive ringlets wow um, so I, I can't confirm or deny. I still eat crusts on bread, but it's not doing anything for me now. <laughs> no, you... I'm bald. Like, well, you as shave, a badger. You shave, yes. No, I'm bald. Oh, okay. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. But you throw your crusts in the um, food processor. If you want to make uh, fine bread crumbs, just dry the bread out in the oven. Like dry it, really dry it. 
about 90 to 110 degrees, somewhere in there. Just throw it on a baking tray, one one level, so you don't want to layer them up. Just give them plenty of room and just dry them out until they're like rock hard. And then just stick them in a food processor and blitz it and you've got breadcrumbs. I know breadcrumbs are cheap to buy, but... But it's a good way of repurposing... Well, what so else are you going to do with it? Like, yeah. you're going to throw it in the bin or stick it... I mean, you can stick it in the compost, and that's mm. fine. Um, feed it to the magpies, whatever. But, yeah, you can make your own breadcrumbs. And especially if you make your own bread, too. Your breadcrumbs and your croutons yeah. and all of that is always better. Always. Like, always. But there's endless uses. I'm going to make for the website, hopefully this, maybe this week, if I can squeeze it tomorrow, I might try and do it. Uh, but something that's caught my eye recently is sort of the growing, maybe I'm wrong, but a little bit of popularity with some older sort of things, older dessert type Why things. Why are you lost? You're looking at me when you say that. Mm. I didn't say. <laughs> I said yeah, growing, growing popularity, <laughs> like of older things. Mm. I think that's a little yes, bit, okay. you know. Um, if if that's how you're thinking of yourself, no. as you're, well, while you're I'm becoming firm, more I tell you you're why. becoming more popular as you get older. Yeah, if that's no. what you want to believe, then knock yourself out. Um, so I'm going to do a treacle tart. <gasps> wow! Yeah, that is a, um, an old sort of favorite. But a, a big, big part of it is breadcrumbs. Oh, and the reason know. that I thought of it was actually because I had some bread at home. I baked some bread, uh, and I know it's getting to the end of its life and I thought I'll just dry that out make some breadcrumbs what am I going to do with them and I thought oh jeez I I remember a few people have mentioned to me recently treacle tart I think that's quite British as well Um, so yeah we'll we'll do a treacle tart which uses breadcrumbs as well so there's breadcrumbs you know I mean you can crumb your fish you can like stuffings for birds chicken schnitzel schnitzel whatever like there's a million things uses for your old bread, but yeah, don't don't chuck it out. No, no. But when you uh, came past before and said uh, today's the day, since yesterday you were a bit infirm um, yep. for the recording, and I was just making my lunch, and you said think of something to talk about, and I opened the fridge door. There's not a lot in there, to be honest. No, but there, I tell you what, there's a shelf of bread, and I thought, yep. why have I done that? Why? What? And I thought, okay, what? Well, what do I do with the leftovers? Well, and that's the other one too, storing your bread. Okay. Yeah. So the fridge is not the best place to store no, your bread. Right. Now, for the like mass-produced, generic sort of supermarket, off-the-shelf sliced bread, it's actually probably the best place. But for everything else, it is not. And the reason is, is that if you actually notice, right... A homemade loaf of bread, I'm not talking sourdough, just let's talk a basic loaf of bread. A homemade loaf of bread, now standard preservatives and things like that, but it will go stale in a day, right? But if you leave it there, yes, it will be stale, but it will probably take somewhere between three to six days before it starts getting mouldy, Yeah. Generic bread from the supermarket, sliced, whatever, let's say white, da, 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 does not go stale in two days. 
still almost the same, and that's a lot down to the preservatives. But if it's not consumed reasonably quickly and just left out, as most people leave out their bread or in a bread bin or whatever, it goes mouldy twice as fast as homemade bread. So they put preservatives in it to stop it from getting that stale sort of taste. But I find that supermarket bread or mass-produced bread generally as a general rule and it depends on humidity and weather and all sorts of stuff Mm -hmm. but it goes moldy even though it hasn't gone through the stale period process faster well i don't buy a lot of uh well i mean when you've got a child you go through bread you would yes no no and uh no i don't but i did buy some and i did put it in the fridge along with the rye and i did notice the rye was rock hard yeah super rock hard super rock hard but uh, I thought, well, what can we do with this? Yeah. Well, what we might do is if you leave it here, I'll turn that into breadcrumbs and we'll use that for a treacle tart. Well, there you go. Yeah. I've contributed. It's about time, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's taken six years. Yeah. Maybe. But, yeah, so we'll do the treacle tart. Oh, we'll do some good. chocolate cookies. You're going to give me the recipe tomorrow I and I will bash them out. Um and we'll make it a recipe for the website like mm. we did for the zucchini pie, which isn't up yet, but we'll get there. And then you can make some cookies over the weekend and bring them in and we'll do a bit Sounds of like a, a plan. Do a bit of a reverse comparison. You can tell me where I went we can, wrong. We can get uh, people to see if they can test taste who's made what from here. There's a few people here on uh, Monday. Maybe they'll be able to say which one? Well, the problem's the going to be call. the problem's going to be is that yours are going to be fresher. Oh, okay. But not if I make them on Saturday. Saturday and then bring them in. Well, that that would therefore involve me trusting you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. Okay. Well, we can we do can that. We can see. Yeah. We can see. We can yeah. do that. And we can see. See what they're like. Side by side. Yeah. Lovely. All right. I think that's all we have for today. Well, that's a few. That's a couple of useful hints there in uh, things to do with things your bread. to do with bread. And I never knew that about um, letting the like that makes sense to let the, the if you're going to make a bread and butter pudding, yeah. So the the custard soak up. That makes sense. Yeah. And buttering and on both sides, which yeah. is not not an easy task in itself. Buttering bread. No, on but both you're sides. not like it's yeah. You see, here's the thing, right? So you're not trying to do it. Um, as a vehicle to spread Vegemite evenly to every corner, right? No, I know. Because if you try and spread Vegemite onto a piece of toast without butter to every corner, it's very hard. Yes, and you end up with it like it's Nutella and then you can't eat it anyway. Yeah. So, it um, doesn't have to be perfect. And this no. is the thing, this is a bit of a theme with me lately, actually. I've been re- re- doing a lot of training sessions with a lot of different people on a lot of different topics. And... Um, often been thinking about people's reaction to training, especially around cooking and things like that. And we often think of cooking as wrong and right. Often. Yeah. yeah? In terms of, no, that is the wrong method, the wrong technique. You you should do it this way. And I'm a proponent of like proper technique, proper method. But in terms of cooking at home, if you butter it one side, who cares? You know what I mean? It's it's 
Okay, in my book, I might say, yeah, butter up both sides. And the easy way to manage that, by the way, is you put a big sheet of baking paper on your bench top, you butter one side, you flip it over, and because you've got it on baking paper, it won't stick, all your butter won't come off. See, another useful hint. <laughs> now, that's, that makes sense. Another well, that's just Captain like Obvious. That's all yeah, that no, is. it's Captain Obvious to you, but sometimes yeah. when you're thinking about the... What are you doing? Yeah. And you're caught up on making the custard and getting it all in. You just forget about those little... So if you know that beforehand, you can just sort of take yeah, a bit of that stress. But isn't that a lot of the reason why we started Cooking with Steam? Was to not do so many tutorials and talk people through and, you know, that sort of stuff. Was to actually show because a lot of those things that I do may not get mentioned in the recipe, but they're in the video and that's why... We did started doing what we were doing, yeah. so people could see that. Okay, so it might be instinctual to me, like I might just do it mm. as a matter of course of a matter of course. But you're saying, oh, okay, I never would have thought of that, and that's why we. That's exactly right. Yeah, because I do watch the videos still. But it doesn't necessarily and mean no, that no, it's right. But I do no, no. But it gives me an idea on what to do. I yeah. may not do it the same way or do the same level. Yeah. But it gives me an idea. I know what to do. I don't. And kind of. I don't use the phrase, you know, like idiot proof, but it kind of means that you can just follow the instructions and not try to overthink it. Yeah. And worry about the things that matter. Yeah. And not the things that don't. Yeah. But anyway, sorry. Well, there you are. No, no, thank you. No worries. Well, good to see you. And you. I hope you're feeling better soon. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm just hobbling around a bit. Yeah. Bit of old man sort of kicking in. But I'll be all right. I'll get some cooking done. And I'm looking forward to doing the treacle tart, actually. Yeah. Thing, it's not a thing that I would usually like go for, but I think it's a few people. And it's funny how often people yeah. mention something to me, and I go, "Oh, have we done? No, oh no, we haven't done that." So why oh, not? Great. Yeah. And maybe a, uh, and well, you can use the breadcrumbs, but maybe uh, I might try a uh, bread and butter pudding with the leftover sliced bread that's in the fridge at the moment. That crappy white stuff. Um, yeah. 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 But with some fruit and custard. Yeah, salt. Don't forget the salt. Orange zest. Orange covered zest. in cream at the end. What could go wrong? Yeah. What could go wrong? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, thank you for that, Paul. Right on, Linda. So, goodbye, everybody, and happy cooking. Happy and cooking. Um, let us know if you have any uses for bread that uh, you'd like to share with the rest of the community. Take care, everybody. See you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to this podcast as we explore home cooking in a modern world. We'd love you to subscribe and for more information, please go to our website, cookingwithsteam.com.